to slip down into my sheets like a street jacket at night with my AC on. I mean, I do like cold sheets. Cool side of the pillow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Welcome back, everybody. It's your host, Natalia, and today I am here with the wonderful and awesome and dear friend, Becky with the good hair, or as she is <laughs> known by her government name, Becky Johnson. Um, she is the executive director of the Healthy Weight Commitment Foundation, um, and she's here to talk to talk talk to us today because apparently roots for me are not working out um about women supporting women and starting a foundation and what that really looks like and her experiences and and how far she's come so becky introduce herself let the listeners at home know who you are and that is the dog <laughs> it's totally fine because i love dogs and i feel like it it's good. It has. If he wants to come and sit with me, that's also fine. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's a really poorly <laughs> behaved intern. I'm not sure <laughs> what he's doing in the other room. But yeah, that's uh, actually Howie, uh, Howard Johnson, um, my dog. And uh, yeah, so I have been in D.C. for about 13 years. I um, came up here after college and studied political <laughs> science, not surprisingly, mm-hmm. um, and then ended up with an internship, an unpaid internship, which I know you <laughs> mention often in your podcast. Because it's indentured servitude, and anyway, continue. <laughs> I mean, it was something I agreed to do, and it ended up working out really well, so um, I'm actually totally fine with it. Um, but yeah, I moved up here for an internship at the Commerce Department, and interned with... <laughs> sorry. We can, like, let <laughs> me see what he is doing. So I moved up here for an internship at the Commerce Department and was fortunate to intern in the secretary's office, which was great. So I had this really wild experience where I was interning in the scheduling and advance office. Mm-hmm. Um, so these were people who were in charge of uh, planning the secretary's day-to-day schedule, mm-hmm. but also did trips and events for him. And so... Um, I was interning particularly with the advanced team. So that mm-hmm. was the group that went out ahead of him and did events and got things set up and then walked him through them. And so we did trips too. And it was really great because I um, rode in the motorcade on the first day <laughs> of my internship, met the secretary, met the chief of staff who like both were fantastic, mm-hmm. have great stories and met a lot of really great people who then when they had an opening in that office, they actually hired me after my internship was over, which was great because living in one of the most expensive cities in the world <laughs> where you're making zero dollars is not ideal. Live not a prayer, baby. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I was fortunate. I was living with um, my best friend from college. Mm-hmm. She happened to move up here and also was not making any money. And were you literally <laughs> living on a prayer? Because... Basically were. Um, I had some savings. Her parents helped subsidize our rent and it was it was wild I mean um but we actually had a pretty nice apartment I mean we lived all the way out in Fairfax which according to one of the people that I worked with was like that is where families live no it is (laughs) and it is that is true (laughs) 
We did. We lived right at the metro stop, the Vienna Fairfax metro stop. Oh, so I okay. walked to that stop every morning and um, metro in and then the metro back out. So it was like it was like an hour each way. It was a long way. You can't make friends. <laughs> no, you can't make friends. Also, um, you eat at really weird times. And then um, you have to have like not only work appropriate shoes, but also like walking appropriate shoes. very like working girl, girl Friday type <laughs> exactly, of sneakers exactly. in back. <laughs> yes, yes, doing a lot of that. And, um, you know, since I was in the advanced <clears throat> office, we would have events and they would be, oh. sometimes they'd be late events. And um, so getting back really late or really early events where you have like a delegation coming in for a breakfast or something. So oh. it was pretty wild, but it was an amazing experience because then at the end of the Bush administration, mm-hmm. uh, I lost my job because I was political. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that happens. There are basically two types of employees in the government, their career and their political. And uh, the politicals come in with the administration mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> are kind of aligned with the president mm-hmm. and stuff. And so I was one of those. And noon on January 20th, <laughs> 2000 and 2000. Nine, mm-hmm. um, I lost my job, so I was unemployed for six months. But at least you knew it was coming. Like, if oh, that's yeah. any consolation, knew it, it was coming. Too, it wasn't too much of a surprise. I yeah, was, it wasn't. It wasn't a surprise. Um, what do you mean? I'm getting laid off. <laughs> yeah, what just happened? What do you mean my badge doesn't work anymore? <laughs> yes, exactly. So hostile. So, uh, yeah. So I was unemployed for six months, which was wild. Um, but ended up working out, and um, just when I needed a job, I got one. And so uh, Lisa Gable, who was my former boss at the foundation where I am now, mm-hmm. she had been brought on to be the president of the foundation, mm-hmm. and she um, she was interviewing people, and mm-hmm. she reached out to somebody. <laughs> The dog. We hear the dog jiggling in the background. No idea what he's doing. Um, but reached out to to somebody who knew a lot of people yeah. who were looking for jobs and said, you know, I'm looking for somebody who has some scheduling experience. Um, at the end of the administration, I had been director of scheduling for the secretary mm-hmm. um, of commerce and then who also had experience doing advance because she wanted somebody who had worked people who maybe you would never see who were kind mm-hmm. of all over the country, um, but had coordinated them around kind of a common goal. She interviewed me and then she started beginning of July and hired me a week later. And so we we had we had to do the public launch of the foundation by October. You know um, the casual thing. Yes, it was wild. So Healthy Weight Commitment Foundation was really started by sixteen food and beverage company CEOs. Mm-hmm. So these are people who are running Fortune five hundred, Fortune one hundred companies who mm-hmm. really wanted to make an impact in childhood obesity. They met for about eighteen twenty months before we ever launched the foundation, before they ever hired a president, mm-hmm. um, came up with kind of a straw man of what they wanted. And uh, McKinsey Global Institute came mm-hmm. up with a plan for them. And um, so we really executed on that plan. Uh, but they were companies like Kellogg and Kraft and General Mills, and Coke and Pepsi. And so they were also fierce competitors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was, which was kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all agreed on this. They all agreed mm-hmm. that they needed to make a difference in childhood obesity. And this was before uh, 
First, First Lady Michelle Obama had announced that this was going to yeah. be her initiative, and so we weren't really sure what the Obamas were going to do. Mm-hmm. It ended up working out because, very well because yeah. that's that's the whole shtick. She had the garden yeah. and like, yeah. And we actually became the first commitment to the Let's Move initiative. So the companies, oh, cool. we did the announcement at the White House with okay. um, Michelle. And what was that like? Like just knowing you were part of like this like new movement kind of thing yeah well you know it's so young because you were right so you're still young (laughs) yes yes so um you know I was fortunate really early on to uh get to work with some really incredible people and get to know some really impactful people and so I think that that helped with this mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> that's honestly that's what this episode is that's it's really about is. howie it's howie <laughs> i was really upset that he's not being asked once again how the man takes <laughs> over the one thing that we had howie, <laughs> howie, howie. yes Anywho. <laughs> we can post a picture. Maybe you can post a yes, picture that, of Howie. That's 100% his. going along with the advertisement, yes. if, if, if nothing else. Yes, yes, I think it would be great. But anyway, so it was unique because, you know, I'd worked in a Republican administration mm-hmm. and, you know, done some work with some other Republicans and stuff and mm-hmm. worked on some campaigns and everything. And so um, it was a new experience to be working with uh Democrats and working with somebody from the other side of the aisle, but Mm -hmm. we basically decided we agree on 60-80% of of this issue. Why don't we work on what we agree on and um, leave the other stuff we can battle that out in other ways <laughs> or not because, you know, the foundation, we don't take issues on, we don't yeah. take sides on political issues, but, um, you know, we can agree to disagree. And so it was a great opportunity to do something. And what we were able to demonstrate is these companies committed to reducing 1.5 trillion calories from the U.S. food supply. And so they represent about 25% of consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of research out there from the CDC and from mm-hmm. various other public health groups um, that said that if you could reduce 100 calories per day per person, then you could stop the rise in obesity rate. And so for them, if you divide that 100 in half and half of its activity and half of its food and beverage, um, that was really their contribution, 1.5 trillion. So, but they knew that nobody was just going to take their word for yeah. it, that they did it. And so nobody's going to be like, oh yeah, sure you did this. Um, make as many announcements as you want. And so we actually brought in a third party evaluator and that was the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. And they've since committed a billion dollars to fighting childhood obesity. It's one of the largest public health um, sort of philanthropic organizations mm-hmm. in the U.S. And so uh, they didn't really like the food and beverage companies. Oh, um, cool. And so it actually provided a lot of credibility for the commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, so they evaluated that commitment. And we had kind of an interim goal of $1 trillion and then the final goal of $1.5 trillion. Mm-hmm. And so when it was all said and done, um, the companies, as of the end of 2012, had already reduced $6.4 trillion calories which amounted to 78 calories per day per person. And so wow. what that means for us when we go into the grocery store is yeah. <clears throat> it's, that's why you now see the little cans of soda um, oh. or Gatorade G2 or a lot more um, vitamin water zeros 
and uh, you also see more slow churn ice cream and uh, low fat cheese and tuna in water as opposed to oil. And so it was teaching people that you can have more options mm -hmm. and demonstrating that when people have more options, they choose the healthier option um, because we actually had a report done by the Hudson Institute mm -hmm. that was really, I think, the most interesting part for me because it's, you know, sort of what does this mean for business? Mm -hmm. And they found that 99% of sales growth came from those healthier options and that companies that didn't introduce the healthier options actually saw their profits decline. So you ended up demonstrating that mm -hmm. you could do something good for public health um, but you could then embed it into the business units of the companies. Mm. And so companies could continue to make a profit, which is good because that means they can employ people. Yeah. And the little things. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and continue doing their business, but it could also be good for, for the American public as well. So it was a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also created a public education campaign with the chief marketing officers from these companies, mm -hmm. which was a really unique experience because these people, I mean, you think the CEOs are competitive. Chief marketing officers are really competitive. PR is a dirty world. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you've got the guy who is going against Kellogg Frosted Flakes and then mm. the guy who's coming out with um, Cheerios and mm. they're going head to head. But, you know, one of them is the chairman of our CMO team and the other mm. one is the vice chair. <laughs> so it was really, really amazing because we had an ad agency in New York and we created this campaign, but we needed those people because mm -hmm. we needed something that would resonate with consumers mm -hmm. and that would be accepted by moms and families. And mm -hmm. so these were people who were running some of the best brands in the world and we wanted to have something that was like that. So that's Together Counts and it's been great and we've reached about 50 million kids with it mm -hmm. in the U.S. and then I was able to expand it and announce that expansion about two years ago into mm -hmm. Colombia, Mexico and Brazil. And so that was kind of like a, one of those sort of like full circle yeah. <laughs> kind of moments where it was at the World Economic Forum in Latin America, which would have been an event that I would have taken the Secretary of Commerce to mm -hmm. when I was starting out in mm -hmm. my career. And then I was there mm -hmm. making the announcement. So it was really kind of wild um, like, I'm how that happened. Now. No, it was, uh, it was really more like I have no business being here. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you've got like the, the mayor of Caracas sitting next to me and it's like, it was a wild, it was, it was a wild time. So you weren't always, so what did you start off as? Because I'm assuming they didn't just hire you as executive director. No, Johnson. <laughs> no, not at all. Lisa and I were not both leading the organization. Um, <laughs> so I was initially hired as a project coordinator. And for the per first two to three years, Lisa and I were the only full-time employees for the foundation. So we launched the foundation. We did the public commitment with the White House and mm -hmm. the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. We launched the public education campaign. Created. So you were running the organization. <laughs> um, I mean, but it was fantastic because what that meant is I was there from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And Lisa was great because, and I don't know if this was because there was just too much work to do or, mm -hmm. you know, I like to think that she actually believed in me, mm -hmm. but, um, <laughs> but no, she gave me a lot to do. Okay. And so I was able to take ownership of a lot of things and start them. And that helped me get a lot, build a lot of relationships with mm -hmm 
you know, senior executive vice presidents from these Fortune 100 companies. And no. um, <laughs> sorry, how is deep breathing? <laughs> yes, <laughs> no idea. <laughs> no idea. So um, it was great. It was great mm-hmm. to be there from the beginning, and then in 2016. Um, Lisa left the foundation and mm. I took over. That's crazy. Yes. Wait, so were you, was your title like project coordinator that entire time? No. Oh, because no. I was like, girl, <laughs> I feel like more needs to go on your resume. <laughs> no, no, no. So as project coordinator, I think I only retained that title for maybe three months. <laughs> and then I became project manager. And then at some point I had another title, but then I became, and I don't remember what it was. And then I became director of operations and then I became vice president of operations, and then I just became vice president. <laughs> Period. <laughs> and then I became executive director. So was it kind of like Lisa was like, it's time for you to move up? Or was there were there people in those roles before you were in those roles? They just weren't full time? Oh, no. It was just um, the two of us. We only oh, had... Okay. For a long time, it was just the two of us, and then we hired people on. So I would take on more sort of executive mm-hmm. management. I think a lot of that had to do with knowing our members and having mm-hmm. them trust us because this was really a new thing for the mm-hmm. food and beverage industry. And it was a huge risk um, because in some cases they were devoting, committing a third of their portfolios. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're talking about a $96 billion company, that's, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Um, committing a third of their portfolios to mm-hmm. these healthier products. And so they're accountable to shareholders. And then you also want to see something accepted by consumers. And mm-hmm. so we we were able to build that trust. And as that trust was built and as, you know, I kind of grew professionally, mm-hmm. uh, Lisa was really good about promoting me and then also giving me a title that would have worked well within one of the companies as well. Mm-hmm. So it would have translated well for, for those because the healthy weight, we've managed it very differently mm-hmm. than a lot of nonprofits. So we would set three year goals and would manage our financial commitments against those three year goals. Mm-hmm. And so companies would commit to three years of funding based on what we had outlined. Mm-hmm. Then we'd execute on those goals. Mm-hmm. And so that's really it was run very much like a business yeah. as opposed to a traditional nonprofit. Non-profit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons that we've been so successful. We've mm-hmm. had a fantastic team. We've invested heavily in that team, managed against goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's been great. It's been a great experience. And it was just you two women, which is just... Mm-hmm. What, did you feel like, because I feel like those big companies are often, can often be like a boys club or like they're not used to women taking on this type of large management because it was really just you two kind of running the show. <laughs> did you feel a sense of pushback? Were you, did you feel like it was easier for you to get into certain spaces, more difficult? How are you, I don't know, ebbing and flowing like in that world from the beginning? Well, so... Food and beverage industry is kind of interesting. Um, For a long time, I think it was dominated Mm -hmm. by men. Um, But their major association at Mm -hmm. the time was managed by a woman. Mm. Um, Also, the retail 
Association, mm-hmm. so like the grocery store yeah. association, was managed by a woman. Oh, um, and the person who really stepped up and had healthy weight as their idea was Indra Nui, who's mm-hmm. the chairman and CEO of PepsiCo. So Pepsi, Tropicana, Frito-Lay, mm-hmm. I mean, huge Every deal. Yeah. She's a huge <laughs> deal. And so she's the one who actually, in 2008, was at an industry-wide meeting and had kind of her remarks and really went off script and said, you know, obesity, particularly childhood obesity, is a huge issue in this country. It's an area where we could, should make a difference, and we can. She challenged other CEOs to step up with her. So it was a woman who really came up with the idea. Isn't that awesome, though? But we had amazing men working mm-hmm. with us as well. Um, a lot of our board was made up of men, but uh, there were a few company presidents and CEOs for women as well. We didn't have any pushback Mm. when it came to this. This was an issue that everybody agreed on. And healthy weight is something that they really saw as impactful and something they all wanted to work together on. I mean, these people were competing in nearly every other issue Mm -hmm. and in their products. (laughs) But they agreed to do this. Mm -hmm. And so... We've had hugely supportive um, board members and then senior staff from the companies, both male and female. And so this was something where we had to build relationships Mm -hmm. with everybody. So it wasn't just the corporations that we were working with. They wanted us to build relationships with public health Mm -hmm. and with advocates and government. And so we really ran the table and we started out with 22 members. Mm So we had these 16 original companies, and then we had um, six not-for-profits and associations who were members of ours. It's the right math. So (laughs) thankfully, I have a CFO who manages all of our accounts. As you should. So, so, well, then, as people heard about what we were doing, everybody came to us and Mm -hmm. wanted to join our efforts. So that membership has grown to over 300 organizations and it's groups like Boys and Girls Club and mm. Special Olympics, um, the U.S. Army. Mm. I mean, really well-known groups. The PGA. I mean, because <laughs> golf. Because <laughs> golf. <laughs> Apparently, if you carry your bags, it will carry your clubs all the way across the golf mm-hmm. course while you play. You can burn two thousand calories. I see that though. <laughs> I feel like on a hot summer day, yes. like yes. <laughs> Get heavy. You may also die from heat stroke <laughs> if you do that on a hot summer day, Very but true. drink plenty of water. Um, but anyway, so, you know, as far as kind of a competing from a male-female mm-hmm. sort of perspective, that just hasn't been my experience, um, which is good. And I feel very fortunate for that. Um, I know that's something that other people sometimes run into. Mm-hmm. Um, either it's a, a competition or... It's just an uncomfortable work environment, Mm -hmm. um, which is unfortunate, but I've had people from the beginning who have been really, really supportive. I think some of the best advice I received probably came on about my first or second day of that internship that Mm -hmm. I did, where um, the guy who was my boss, he he comes in and I'm sitting at the intern desk and he's got this container of that pub trail mix. It's like this, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and he's just pouring it into his mouth and he's, he's trying to get to know me and stuff and hear about where I'm from and everything. And he's like, listen, Becky, 
He said, if you do this internship, like it's your full-time job, he said, you have more exposure to the secretary than most of this, these people will ever have in their careers. Mm-hmm. And he was right. It was true. And um, I was fortunate to have the secretary, secretary give me a reference um, for this job. That's real life. And That's... <laughs> yeah. No, it was great. But but then also, um, this guy gave like other great career advice. Anytime I've received sort of an agreement mm-hmm. for employment, I have him look at it. I talk to him about jobs. He still gives great advice. <laughs> and, you know, another thing that he said is if somebody wants to talk to you, you should talk to them. You know, maybe there's somebody who's interested in talking to you about a job. Maybe you're not totally on board with the job. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, you know... 60% of what you want <laughs> and you're not sure you can live with that 40%. This is a small town. People talk, but also people know other people. Mm-hmm. And so it's a great way to get to know people. You know, that's something I've tried to do is always take the time to meet with people, whether they are ahead of me mm-hmm. or they're starting out because you're always ahead of somebody mm-hmm. and you're always behind somebody. Mm-hmm. And so well, I Well, you talk to me. So. <laughs> oh my goodness. You showed up. So. I just knocked on the door. I was like, you know what? I heard about you. Not that I've known you for some time now. I felt obligated. You're standing at the door. Not that I hounded you from when I first started the podcast. I was like, Becky, you trying to come on? <laughs> yep. Yep. It's fine. It's fine. But it all, it's all, it all ends well, you know? Yeah. But is, so I know that you did like political science mm-hmm. and I know that you're getting your master's right now in public policy, right? Yeah. International yeah. commerce and policy. International commerce and policy. And what, so what is like your passion? Because I don't, like just from like what your background was, doesn't seem like, like, um, public health or like childhood obesity or things along those natures, like food security, was like your avenue. So sure. did you kind of, did your passion kind of change? Like once you got this position, do you have, was there, were you just kind of like, this is a job, but I've grown to love it. Like <laughs> kind of thing. No, I think there are, there are things you can find at every job yeah. that can align with your passion. Ideally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can probably think of a few jobs that would not align with anything I would ever want to do. Mm. But um, when it came to healthy weight though, this was the private sector stepping up mm-hmm. and doing what was right. Mm-hmm. And I liked being a part of that. I liked that it was the free market operating. Mm-hmm. So this was a self-regulatory commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, while the White House was involved, it wasn't regulation. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the government coming in. We went to them mm-hmm. and asked them to get involved. And so this was really the private sector stepping up and trying mm-hmm. to help solve a public problem. And that I really like mm-hmm. because what we were able to demonstrate is that unlike some of the other initiatives that go on around food and beverage, mm-hmm. um, so you have people talking about taxes or regulation, mm-hmm. we were able to demonstrate that the free market was the way to go. Mm-hmm. So if you really wanted to make a difference in people's consumption of calories, and give them more options mm-hmm. and give them lower calorie <coughs> options. Mm-hmm. And so I liked that and I still like that because these companies are still committed to providing mm-hmm. healthier products. Having corporations mm-hmm. that don't 
intrinsically have souls. The people in them do. Mm-hmm. Um, but having them step up and do what's right, um, I really liked that. And that's something to get passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, being a part of something that's going to impact the lives of 300 million Americans. That was great. And so, you know, moving forward, I would love to be a part of something like that to continue to be a part Mm -hmm. of those efforts. I think there are a lot of industries that are doing a lot of really interesting things, food and beverage being one of them. Um, And I really think that, you know, finding ways for people to be able to continue to be employed. (laughs) (sighs) Ain't that the dream though? Ain't that the dream? And raise their families. Um, the dream, <laughs> you know, other things, these things, uh, but also, you know, make a positive impact in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be great to be a part of. So it's kind of not necessarily like if I fall in, like, I don't, you're like, I don't want to necessarily do food security. I don't necessarily want to do like healthy weight, but like, again, like, again, like if you ever have to like do another position, but like. But you're like, if that passion is there of like this kind of cooperativeness, this mm-hmm. finding a need and like fixing that need, yeah, you that's where you want to go. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is a really important issue. Mm-hmm. You know, public health is really important. And the more I've gotten to know about it, um, even just from an economic standpoint, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a huge drain economically. The, the more passionate I have become about it. Mm-hmm. But I think that there are a lot of issues that are really important. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are a lot of ways that the private sector can step mm-hmm. up and fill some of those holes where, you know, I think most people would agree that not only can we not afford to have the government do everything, nobody actually wants the government to do everything. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I think looking for opportunities for the private sector to step up and, and do things is really good. And it's it's good for a sustainability of efforts as well. So, because, sorry, I don't want to be So I just want to push back on that like a little bit. What, I guess like, because I, to me, one, it surprised me that the private sector, especially like these companies who we all know Coke has a lot of calories, like we all know it has a lot of sugar. So for them to step up to like that issue is like really fantastic. Like, yeah. but it also shocks me because their bottom line depends on the consumption of these things and and so while yes we have like smaller cans does that mean people are drinking less or are they just buying more of those smaller versions does that make sense Mm -hmm. and like I know that's like a hard thing to evaluate and that's not to discredit any of the work that you do but as we talk about like public health and private sectors like bottom line I wonder if it's realistic to think that the private sector will take on like all the issues so like government won't be involved Sure. No, I don't think it's realistic to say that the private sector would take on all the issues. Yeah. And I don't think we want either group taking on all issues. Yeah. Um, Cause I don't when know it comes to, yeah. So when it comes to how sort of this commitment mm-hmm. was evaluated, it wasn't you go into a grocery store and they no longer sold the red or the blue can of Coke or Pepsi. Yeah. It was these companies had to create more lower calorie options. Mm-hmm. And they had to sell them. So you had to sell fewer calories. Mm -hmm. So basically what happened is the evaluator um, from the public health organization looked at the number of calories sold 
in uh, 2007 and compared that against the number of calories sold by these companies mm -hmm. in 2012. And on a very basic level, mm -hmm. that's how they evaluated it. Ooh. You had to have people choosing the healthier option mm -hmm. um, over the full calorie mm -hmm. option. So it wasn't that they, you know, just sold less full calorie ice cream or premium yeah. ice cream it was people bought the lower calorie option mm -hmm. who were buying the full calorie option mm -hmm. before so there was a reduction in calories so that 78 calorie reduction was real in the sense that they actually sold fewer calories if that mm -hmm. makes sense no yeah I can think about it in the sense of like I don't know how they would do this, but like printing out a receipt of like all like say like the Coke sold during yeah. that year and then like a receipt of all the Coke yeah. sold like the following year and being like, okay, well, I know if they're like they bought like 30 million cans that it would be this many calories, mm -hmm. assuming that they drank it all. And if they bought this many cans and on that like very basic yeah. math kind of level. Which is cool because I think either way it shows that they're buying those smaller cans mm -hmm. or they're just buying less of the the um of the bigger cans which shows that like your public education kind of campaign was making an impact about yeah. consumption yeah. and and what that looks like and was it kind of cool for you to walk into grocery stores and be like I help that like you know like nobody knows oh, yeah. but like oh it's still I cool that. I still think it's really cool <laughs> to walk in and you know people ask me what we do I mean at the time my roommate didn't even really understand what yeah. I did and um no it was really really cool to you know it's a an impactful moment to walk into a place like a grocery store mm -hmm. and see that the work you're doing is being reflected on the shelves there mm -hmm. I mean that's not often that something like that happens so it was really it's still really rewarding for a long time I was able to visit schools because mm -hmm. through our school program we were giving away grants and to see the impact that was being made in those schools uh, it was really incredible. So it's cool because you, especially since it was just the two of you, <laughs> just the two of us, yep. we can make it. Anyway, um, but like it's probably really cool for you to see that impact because I, I feel like a lot of times, depending on what nonprofit you work at and like what your position is, you don't get to see that direct impact. Even if you work in like government or like any, you know, international, you don't get to necessarily see that direct impact yeah. because you're, you're like helping the wheels turn, sure. but you're so far removed from it, but you were making the wheels turn, driving the train, <laughs> packing the train and like delivering the product. Like you were doing it all and like just, just you and Lisa. And so what was that dynamic like just like two ladies kicking butt and taking names date like I'm assuming a lot of sleepless nights because I just feel like anything that means you have to start something is yes a lot of long hours yeah um well it was just the first couple of years that it was yeah. just the two of us After but that's that, we still did a lot like... people. <laughs> um and we had we had some outside vendors that mm -hmm. you know people I was able to talk to um but, but that's I remember... still a lot like don't yeah. downplay yes. Well, I don't. I want to give credit where credit is due. We yeah. have a fantastic team who has worked with us for several years, um, and we love all of them. But uh, we, you know, the first couple of years, we were actually our offices were within another office, mm -hmm. 
and during the summer, that office closed at one o'clock on Fridays. And so <laughs> I would joke with my boss. I was like, listen, if something catastrophic happens to me after one o'clock on Friday, no one will find my body until Monday. <laughs> something is so sad but hysterical about you just like being at your desk Cute like cool. just like but just like frozen because yeah. like you passed away so suddenly mm-hmm. yes um, <laughs> I know it's sad like I don't want that to happen yeah. but yeah. yeah while somebody else was just enjoying their summer hours <laughs> I'm like I just didn't know Becky was still alive in the building right that's that's they also turned off the air conditioning did they re- yeah the struggles you had to go through <laughs> I know. Because you know I don't mess with oh, the pain. <laughs> the pain. Yes. <laughs> what was your moment that... Because here's the thing. You're still super young. I like to think so. <laughs> no, okay, Becky. <laughs> Becky, you're like 35. It's yeah, fine. <laughs> you're still super young. And so you have like a lot of... Like you, in essence, you can have like another good 40 years, 30, 40 years in you. Mm-hmm. Which is like a whole nother career. Mm-hmm. But... Was there ever a time that you're like, I did this? Like, you know, like, I feel like we all, I'm hoping eventually one day it will get to the moment where I'm like, I feel like an adult, like a lady, like I did things for me, like I impacted in the way that I wanted to impact. What was kind of your moment? If you've had it or you haven't had it. For several years, we did a grant program Mm -hmm. called a Find Your Balance Challenge. Mm -hmm. And we had these kids who were fourth and fifth graders come up with plans, basically like a business plan Mm -hmm. for how they would make their school healthier using the free curriculum Mm -hmm. that we gave away. We would get these business plans from these kids and it was really amazing. Mm -hmm. They had these really incredible stories. In some cases it was the principal that was leading the team. In other cases it was a PE teacher, but you know, I mean, these are fourth and fifth graders and they're writing out these elaborate plans. They're getting the entire school involved. It's really incredible. Well, I, our team at Discovery would review the initial applications mm-hmm. and then they'd send me and I would have a couple people on our team. Uh, we would review like the top 50 mm-hmm. or so and then we'd choose the winners. And so I remember coming across this school, and it was a school in Boston, and they didn't have a gym or any sort of indoor space for the kids to play. Mm-hmm. And you know, balmy Boston <laughs> provides a lot of opportunities for outdoor play. So, particularly during the school year. So they were really struggling, mm-hmm. and um, they also didn't have a cafeteria. Please. So yes, it's kind of wild. So I know the same I'm question. About I had the same question. Same question. <laughs> so what happened is every day around seven a.m., um, meals would arrive at the school, mm-hmm. and a hundred percent of the kids were on free breakfast and free lunch. Mm. So these kids came from two different sets of projects, mm-hmm. and something like seventeen countries were represented at this school. Wow. So a lot of them came from immigrant families. And so I'm reading this application and we would get this ranking system from Mm -hmm. discovery and stuff. And, uh, they hadn't ranked them 
number one. I mean, they were in the top, yeah. you know, five or so. So I'm reading through it, and this class to win. They don't have a gym. <laughs> we're a cafeteria. That's <laughs> more. That's actually my only So their lunches are being reheated in convection ovens in the basement of the school. I mean, it just sounds like all the horrible <laughs> scenarios. Like you can all think the unhealthy of. things happen so, in that basement. Yeah. And what they had done, they had a pre-K there. Mm-hmm. They had gotten the pre-K kids together Mm -hmm. to come up with little seedlings. Mm -hmm. And then the third graders came up with a rainwater irrigation system. I know. Dude, that's not the rainwater irrigation system. I read that application and I thought, these children are smarter than me. (laughs) Very concerned about me. So... The fourth graders came up with these physical activity plans and then presented them to the school board. As you do. Yeah, as you do. Fifth grade was leading physical activity breaks and kind of heading up the entire effort. These kids had polled the entire school to ask them what they wanted. And the kids wanted said they wanted more activity. And mm-hmm. then they also wanted more fresh fruits and vegetables. Because we all, yes. Because their meals, you know, we're, yeah. we're having to come in from kind of a they're green centralized, and gray. like they're just centralized kitchen. So, um, so they wanted to build a garden, but then what they also did is they they got the community involved, and because it's a school, and if you have a garden, there's summer, so they need. <laughs> Somebody to manage it during the summer. And so these community people who didn't even have kids in school said, you know, we'll help take care of it. And what was great about it is, you know, because these kids had come from immigrant families, Mm -hmm. a lot of them didn't feel comfortable. The parents didn't feel comfortable volunteering in the classroom because Mm -hmm. English was not their first language. Mm -hmm. But they came from these sort of farming backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And so when they started building this garden, these parents started showing up. To volunteer at the school. And so then they implement this garden across Mm -hmm. the entire school. So they're using beets in art class as like red or purple dye. And they're they're using everything. Yeah. Absolutely everything. So I read this application. I'm like, well, this school is winning. (laughs) I mean, there's no question. So um, it's a declaration. This is where I serve my authority. Exactly. Exactly. As whatever my title is at the time. (laughs) Um, So I go and I talk to Lisa about it. And um, I I tell her, I'm like, listen, the school, no cafeteria, no gym. You know, their convection ovens in the basement. That's where the dirt's going from. They just want some fruits and vegetables. And we would ask them how they would spend the $30,000 grant Mm. that they got from us. And they said that they wanted a sink. That was appropriate qualifications mm-hmm. to wash the fruits and vegetables that they would serve the kids. So these people want to sink and they want us to have the chairs taken up and the sort of auditorium mm-hmm. and the floor kind of reinforced so that they can use that as an indoor space to play. So very practical. Not like build me a whole new section. <laughs> not like build me a whole new section. Not like, you know, bring in some sort of outside entertainer yeah. to <laughs> entertain each other. For like a day. That. For <laughs> a day, exactly. That's how we're going to spend our $30,000. No, none of that. <laughs> so anyway, we get on our board call and Lisa starts telling this story about mm. these kids. And again, fourth and fifth graders come up with this plan. 
Kids are, I, that's so a whole other tangent I have. They, exactly. Yes, people underestimate how smart kids are. Because, like, they see things in such a basic way of, like, well, why can't we? Because we can. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we lose that imagination and sense of, like, play and, like, creativity as we get older. Because we yeah. get bogged down by life and society. Yeah. And we're like, everything's a lie. <laughs> but the kids, they don't have that yet. They don't. They don't. They're just happy. They're not jaded. <laughs> They're not jaded. So anyway, we're on this board call and one of the CEOs is just really blown away by it. And the senior executive who was sitting with that person said they kept putting the phone on mute. And, you know, these are CEOs who are running major companies. Mm-hmm. So inevitably they're doing six different things at once. Mm-hmm. So this person in particular puts their pencil down and says, I cannot believe this is a public school in the U.S. And that night, they were going to a dinner um, where Robert Kraft was in attendance. And like Kraft Singles? Robert? No, oh. like New England Patriots, oh. Robert Kraft. So he, he owns them and also the soccer team there. And <laughs> New England. Billionaire, billionaire Robert Kraft. Mm-hmm. And so she goes up to him and starts telling him about the school. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you know, can you believe this is a school in the U.S.? And he goes, I can't believe it's a school in Boston. Because if you're into Boston. <laughs> yes. So he's furious about it. You know, that's his home. Mm-hmm. So he apparently calls the mayor the next day and yells at the mayor, you know, hey, I can't believe this is I'm happening. the mayor's phone. <laughs> exactly. And then he says, you know what? We're going to match your grant. And so I don't know if you've been to Boston, but everyone in Boston apparently knows who Robert Kraft is. But have I been to Boston? It's <laughs> fine. Yes. for another podcast. So we end up in Dorchester, mm-hmm. a neighborhood in Boston. Mm-hmm. And we're at this school, and so I'm talking to the principal, and we're, you know, we had told her that somebody special was coming, but hadn't told her who it was. And so about 10 minutes before Mr. Kraft arrives, I tell her, I said, well, Robert Kraft is coming, and he's bringing a cheerleader and their mascot, and he wants to come and celebrate with you guys. And she lost her mind and I go and you're going to need to give him a tour of the school (laughs) I need you to get it together (laughs) so she's so excited so we end up giving Mr. Kraft a tour and he had little chickens and they had little chicken chicks that the school and so he's holding these little chicks and it's oh I was like he brought the chickens I was like that is very strange very interested in the you know I think it was a first grade class that had chicks and um, then when, uh, you know, we got up and announced this grant that we were giving the, the school, and then when Mr. Kraft got up and surprises the school with an additional matching grant, it was really incredible. So it was like a, it was one of those really incredible moments where, you know, this was a program that we'd come up with. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go back to those days early on where we're yeah. meeting chief marketing officers in New York <laughs> with his ad agency, and we're trying to come up with this mm-hmm. plan. And to have been there from the beginning and then to, have, you know, been a part of creating something really impactful and then to see those kids and the impact it was making. And then for our five-year anniversary report, uh, we went back to the school mm-hmm. to see, you know, how – it had progressed and they'd completely implemented it across their entire school. But 
to see that not only was this something we wanted to do, but then to have somebody who's so well-respected in the community mm-hmm. step up and say, you know what, we're going to surprise that school and we're going to match it. It was really great. It was a really great moment. And there have been a My number of us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there have, I've, going to the schools has always been one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, there's moments where you see that something you've done, whether walking through a grocery store aisle mm-hmm. or going to a school and, you know, there's a school in Alabama that now has a fishing program, which is a big deal there because kids can actually get scholarships to go to college for fishing for fishing yeah and i didn't know the fishing community was doing it like it's like a sport (laughs) so i know but like it's a leisure anyway (laughs) so as a sport you know this there was an elementary with a middle school that won one of our grants and one of the things that they did with that was um invest in a fishing program uh, for the kids and you know like to think of you think about things like that or a school in Texas the school the playground that was closest to the school was literally in a park right beside a prison <laughs> no one thought no number one building the school no one thought this through <laughs> or the park or a number of things, but a lot of the kids who came from that school, mm-hmm. they lived in that town because they had a parent yeah. who was in prison. And so many of them lived in single parent homes and really struggled. And they won one of our grants and were able to get PE equipment and some playground equipment with that. And so it's it's those groups that are really it's really rewarding to visit and I don't know if it makes me feel like more of an adult <laughs> but it definitely makes me feel really blessed mm-hmm. and appreciative of um, being able to do something like this and I think I think that like what this podcast is all about and what I wanted to do is highlight women that are doing things like that you're doing or or who are in grad school like me who are like putting themselves out there and hustling and but still knowing that they have a cause and I think that you are one of many like silent heroes because here's the thing I've known Becky for what like eight months now (laughs) it's been a long time (laughs) it has I feel like it's been a very long time. Like, but, like, in the best way. Of like, course. Not like, of course. Because oh, let me tell you about this popcorn she makes but <laughs> for another time. Um, I, when I first met, I would not have known that. I don't think I found out what you actually did for a very long time. This podcast. <laughs> I rolled in and I was like, oh. Um, no, because I think one of our other friends, Nicole, like told uh-huh. me because I had talked to her about um, loving nonprofits and wanting to be in that space. And, and she's like, no, well, you should talk to Becky because Becky started. <laughs> it's like, excuse me. Like, I knew you had like some type of upper, like I knew you were like living up there, but like I didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> like meaning my apartment is on the 11th floor. <laughs> I mean, it is on the 11th <laughs> But I didn't know this at the time. Um, but I guess, I guess it's like highlighting these women that like you'd walk down the street with the, with Howie, you know, who's finally asleep, um, and you wouldn't know that you did that thing. Like, cause I always think about like, yeah, I remember like being in college and getting those little soda cans. Yep, I mean, they're this adorable. Is great, yes, if it's yep. perfectly in my little fridge, like, mm-hmm. and 
And to think that, like, you had, who would have thunk that, like, I would meet the person who did that. And I feel like it's so important to highlight people like you because not everyone's going to know your name, but you did something incredible. Like, I know it wasn't just, like, you, but, like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't just, like, Rolling around, uh, probably <laughs> should not take full credit for no, you know, no, no, product but... <laughs> decisions. No, no, no. <laughs> but you were part. But you were part of this small mm-hmm. team. It was like people came together, like companies that you would not think would come together, and they were like, "This is a thing that we kind of want to do." Yeah. And they were like, "Hey, Lisa, do this," and she was like, "Okay, let me get like one other person <laughs> for the first like three years of this." <laughs> And I'm going to take this girl who was, like, an intern, and then she, like, got a position. She was, like, fresh off the bus from Georgia. And, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and we're going to, like, make this entire foundation. But that is – but that story, like, own that. Like, because that, that really is impactful, and I think it's so important for people to hear that, especially hear you coming from somewhere, like, I'm not used to working partisan and then transferring to that with this. And working with such complex ideas and backgrounds because not even just like working with the Obama White House, but like dealing with companies who in a weird way hate each other only because like they're competitors. Mm -hmm. And then going from like 22 to 300, were you like scared at any point? But like in a good way, not like, oh my gosh, they're coming for me, but like... (laughs) <laughs> is this is this growing too fast? Like, can we manage it where we're at? Because you and Lisa were there from the beginning, so it's kind of like people will still look to you to be like, okay, well, how are we gonna do this now? Yeah. Did you uh, did you ever have a moment where you just like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it? Well, <laughs> well, I'll say this: Lisa is amazing. And I think she's always thinking about 12 steps ahead. Mm -hmm. And it was really, really fortunate to have worked with somebody like that. Mm -hmm. That being said, it can be a little crazy because you're not thinking 12 steps ahead. And so there were a lot of 4 a.m. emails (laughs) where she's she's awake. And so I wake up at 6 or 6.30 and my inbox is full and... Um, it's just, you know, you're drinking from a fire hose and, uh, that can be overwhelming, but it was, it was almost like I was thrown into that ever since I started working in DC Mm -hmm. because working in a cabinet member's office Mm -hmm. is the same kind of thing. It's fast paced. And you just have to keep up. Mm -hmm. And so she and I both had kind of the same view on you know keeping up so mm-hmm. if somebody calls you call them back if <laughs> and do it quickly <laughs> if you receive an email and you know the answer to it respond immediately mm-hmm. because you can check that off mm-hmm. and you may just be treading water um and we had a great person who who worked with us who was a consultant but Mm -hmm. really who took on the management Mm -hmm. of the not-for-profit members so Mm -hmm. I was really in charge of managing our Mm for-profit members so those companies and thankfully we were able to have somebody else manage those not-for-profits and associations and take their calls and really learn about what was important to them because we didn't you know completely overlap with them either Mm -hmm. Um, and so we were able to divide it up that way but I distinctly remember 
we had once a year we would do an in-person meeting with our members. All oh, 300 of them? Well, we would invite all 300 of them. We About 100 would come, mm-hmm. which was great. Um, but we'd get to hear about what they were doing and kind of why they were partnering with us and how they were using our stuff. And So it's really fantastic because we have amazing members that are doing incredible things. And I remember one night, it was about 7.30 at night, and I was standing in the doorway of my balcony <laughs> here in my apartment. Her fabulous balcony, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very blessed. So <laughs> I'm standing in the doorway and I have this realization. We have 250 members and we have one person managing them. <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> and it was sort of, you know, we'd grown yeah. so quickly. But also the person who was managing them was really, really great. <laughs> and she never complained. And she did an amazing job. And so I remember calling her that night and saying, do you think it would be helpful to have someone to help you? <laughs> do you need a friend? You know, just sort of occurred to me that you're managing 250 partners of ours. And so um, I talked to, to Lisa and we hired somebody on and she was also great and really helped manage those members and um, the good thing is that we grew really organically uh-huh. um, so it's not like we had to sell people on joining uh-huh. they came to us this was something they felt passionate about they liked what we were doing they liked that these companies were involved uh-huh. And liked a lot of the aspects that I liked, that it was the private sector doing, you know, the right thing. And that helped with a a whole management issue Mm -hmm. where you didn't have to continually convince people that this was a good idea. (laughs) They were on board. And um, so that's been that's been great. Uh, And it's been a real blessing because it's also enabled us to do what we do best Mm -hmm. And let those partners do what they do best. Mm -hmm. So we're not overlapping Mm -hmm. and we're letting everybody do their part. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we can all kind of use our budgets appropriately Mm -hmm. and be good stewards of that. But then also we can work together. And so that's Mm -hmm. something that our partnerships is really focused on is we're not going to recreate the wheel. Mm. We'll give you these materials Uh and you can implement them in the way that makes the most sense for you but we're not gonna we're not gonna have everybody doing the same thing that's really smart though because I feel like so often it's like we have to be new and creative and inventive and it's like maybe we should just try what's worked (laughs) (laughs) well I think you know kind of getting back to one of the things that you hit on with working with organizations Uh and with working with people I think a lot of times, particularly in this town, mm-hmm. it's about competition. Yeah. And we're always looking at, you know, are we competing with our coworkers? Are we competing with somebody for promotion or for mm-hmm. a job or um, just, you know, an acknowledgement of what we're doing? And that happens with nonprofits as well, where there's a big competition. Yeah. And I think that um, in our case, we didn't need the credit. Mm-hmm. We just wanted to get good, solid materials out and work with the people who wanted to make an impact. Our focus was making the impact mm-hmm. as opposed to getting the credit. And I think when it comes to working with other people, um, you're going to come across a lot of people who want to compete in the mm-hmm. workplace. And 
I think being someone who demonstrates being a team player mm-hmm. and who's there to to help the team and to work together um, is much more beneficial to an organization mm-hmm. than having people who everybody wants to be the shining star every day. I think that that can be challenging as a manager to manage yeah. a staff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes, you know, we often sort of pit people against each other. Like we'll pit women against women or men and against women and mm-hmm. or women against men. And, and I don't think that that's necessarily the best way to run an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't bring out the best in the team either. But looking at a team and looking at organizations in a way that says, hey, you're really good at this. So why don't you do this? Mm-hmm. And you're really good at this and that complements what they do. And so you two should work together to do this big thing mm-hmm. together. Um, I think is is really how we should be operating um, as opposed to, you know, kind of an us versus them mm-hmm. sort of situation. And we've been fortunate that our team has been that way. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been times where, you know, we've, Notice that some people have been really overloaded <laughs> with work in the like two hundred Exactly. Oh, God bless her. Um, she's wonderful. She really is. Uh, but you know, it, realizing that, and sometimes raising your hand and saying, "Hey, I'm managing two hundred and fifty members. Do you think someone could help me?" Um, that also would have been fine. Like a but, day or so, you know. But yeah, I think. I think. Rather than spending your time trying to outdo someone else, mm-hmm. see how you know you can kind of work together to do something even mm-hmm. bigger. Um, because there's obviously some reason why mm-hmm. whoever that manager has hired the two of you. <laughs> and so our team has been great about that, and you know, helping each other kind of. If it's been a more sort of stressful time with their families or if it's been, you know, they've had other priorities they needed to focus on where we picked up the weight, Um, no matter who it was, I think, I think that's important in instilling in a team too. And so I know you want to talk a little bit about um, women supporting women and it Mm -hmm. sounds like you had a your team is like all women is it or is it mostly (laughs) mostly women um we have some of our vendors have been uh men Mm -hmm. but you say it so softly like it's a dirty (laughs) word i mean they have been um i mean i like most of our board was men Mm -hmm. is men um but as far as the core team it's just sort of ended up that way Mm -hmm. that it's been primarily women but We've all worked for really powerful men mm. as well. Um, and they have had far more fascinating careers <laughs> than I have. Um, but, you know, I think, and there have been a lot of men who have helped me. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, with recommendations or recommendation letters or with just support and encouragement and connections and I mean the same guy who reviews all of my employment letters I mean (laughs) you know it's I have been fortunate in that I Mm -hmm. haven't had the experience where it's been um you know like well because you're a woman you can't Mm -hmm. do this it's always been very supportive Mm -hmm. 
and trying to help me do whatever it is I wanted Mm -hmm. to do. And I'm still not even entirely sure what that is, but I, I have focused on doing the best where Mm -hmm. I am. And that was something that the secretary actually said to us um, in the last year of the administration. He said, you know, a lot of people when he was at uh, the company that he'd worked at before, (laughs) he said, you know, he'd see these people who were always focused on the next thing Uh and how to get ahead at the next thing. And he said his view was to do the best where he was and the Uh future would take care of itself. And, you know, I mean, he ended up being the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and then a presidential cabinet member. So I think it's pretty solid advice. (laughs) Um, And uh, started out, you know, as selling cereal. So it's... Out of the back of a van. (laughs) Yes. um, You know, I think there are are things like that 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 I've tried to do. I've tried Mm -hmm. to focus on... Um, doing the best where I am mm-hmm. and leaving the rest up to to either my employer but ultimately to what God has for my life mm-hmm. and um, trying to invest in people in ways that I can and you know again if somebody wants to talk to me I will talk to them and whether that is a person who's graduating from college or someone who is interested in talking to me about a job but mm-hmm. Um, I think that's important. I think being open to people and hearing their stories. Mm-hmm. There's your podcast is a perfect example of this. <laughs> Everyone loves to talk about themselves. They do, but they have such Becky. Here's the thing: you don't talk about you, so I would not have known about this stuff. But I would prefer I to talk at about least you twice a week. Like, <laughs> At least twice a week. You know what I'm saying? Like, at least. (laughs) So it's like, and I would not have known that my little ginger ale can is because because of you and this lovely organization. So my last question that I love to ask all our guests um, is what do you define as, or how do you define being a woman or womanhood? Hmm. You know, I anticipated this question having listened to three or four of your podcasts um, and was hoping to steal an answer from another person. No, that is not. No, everybody. Listen, if there's like 200 episodes of this, I want 200 separate 200, answers. 200 answers. You know, I'll be honest. It's not something I've ever really thought about. Mm-hmm. I think it's not the way my parents kind of raised me to think about things. Mm-hmm. I was really fortunate to have parents that were really encouraging mm-hmm. about doing whatever it is I wanted mm-hmm. to do. Um, and raising me to hopefully be <laughs> respectful mm-hmm. and hardworking, but also um, genuine and dependable and kind mm-hmm. and ultimately really tried to instill what they would describe and what I would describe as Christian values mm-hmm. um, and investing in other people. And so mm-hmm. I don't think of that as being something that is distinctly women. Mm-hmm. I think that's people. I think we should be good people. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, I think we should all speak up. 
Mm-hmm. And I think we all deserve to have a voice. Mm-hmm. And um, because I think, I mean, as a woman, I think all issues are women's issues. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a person. <laughs> and hey, listen, I've been trying to tell people <laughs> that for some time. Thank you. Thank you. You get the word out. That um, I am a person. So, uh, but that, you know, it's important to have a diverse set of voices mm-hmm. and on various topics because we all bring different perspectives. I mean, and I don't think any one woman can speak for the entire gender. Yeah. Just like, I don't think any one man can speak for the entire gender. And, you know, you and I would have very likely different perspectives just mm-hmm. as everyone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that, um, focusing on being kind of the, the best version uh-huh. of who you want to be and embodying your values. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people want to talk about their values, mm-hmm. but they aren't necessarily living them out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's what my parents demonstrated to me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about being a woman. It was about being a Christian and being a good person. And so that's, a long way of saying I don't have an answer to your question. No, but that that's... is an answer because that's how you see it. You're yeah. like, womanhood is personhood. Yep. Yep. And that's beautiful. That is that really is beautiful. That's perfect. Yeah. I told you two hundred different answers. That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But um I wanna thank you so much for joining me today. It's been fun. It's been great. I hope you had a good time. AK you have to say you had a good time. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good time. I had I a good have, time. Oh, Howie, you want to say bye? We should not encourage no? that. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> but thank you all for listening. Please, 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 because I keep forgetting to say this in episodes, and I don't know why. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You know you want to. We are on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcast, and Google Play. So rate, review, and subscribe, and please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PrettyFaceLady3, and like us on Facebook at More Than a Pretty Face. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Bye!